Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's a Monday morning get-together right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. This would be Birds 365. I would be Jody McDonald. He would be my partner, Don McMullen. How are you, JM? Doing well, Jody. Excited to be back. Little Birds 365. Uh, it's off-season for the Eagles now. Their last OTA Friday. Never off-season for us. That's right. Uh, we're here with you each and every single day, 8 to 10 Eastern. We appreciate your jumping aboard. Uh, you jumped out onto the grass on Friday. How'd that go? When you and I last talked, you were getting in the car, exiting getting state drive, right, yeah. going down to the link. How'd your quality grass time go? Well, yeah, the best part was getting into Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, uh, obviously, we were there last year, but a, a little bit more of a, a, a buoyant environment, for lack of a better term, because people realize fans are going to be back. And uh, there's a little bit more excitement, I sense, this year. Obviously, we were all locked up last year in the offseason, but nonetheless, you know, Jeffrey Laurie was out there, Howie Roseman, Catherine Raish, everybody's smiling. Nick Sirianni's doing all the competitive tetherball things, backpedal races, you name it. It's like a carnival, Jody. Carnival. You you need to give the uh, Eagle fans out there some details on these tetherball competition. I don't even know what you would call them uh, other than competitions. Uh tests that he put his players through uh certainly in a practice and you could see we're assuming he did them in other ones as well he really is holding strong to this competition is everything stance isn't nick sirianni yeah by the way and i continue to say this jody when is this guy gonna win something on friday you got beat again you by by your boy greg ward a three-point shooting contest he 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 loses to Greg Ward. He keeps us waiting because he's losing a three point contest to Greg Ward. Now I joke, but uh, look, he's creating, and I give him credit. Everybody does seem enthused. Um, everybody does seem excited to be out there, um, and you know that's part of a head coach's job in this league is managing personalities, sure. getting everybody on the same page, getting everybody in a and a positive framework, positive mindset. So I give all of that credit. I give him credit for all of that. We'll see how it works out. You know how this works, Jody. I mean, everything's great, but if you start losing, then people start to go, what is this nonsense? You know, we got to win football games. On the other hand, if you start winning, you're a genius. You're an absolute genius for for keeping everybody on the same page, for keeping everybody positive, for keeping everybody entertained. Because football practice is boring. I say it all the time. It's boring. It's incredibly boring. So you're out there with the tetherball contraption, Devontae Smith, Travis Bulgum. And Devontae Smith, by the way, he's a he's another species than any other wide receiver the Eagles have. Um, I You know, I, Deshaun Jackson was a lot like that as well, but he was never on the field. Um as he got older and got injured all the time, 
he's just so much more talent than any, any other receiver they have. So number one, that's, that's a huge positive. And the thing I keep getting with him is, yeah, the legs are incredibly skinny. I mean, it makes you worry for his well-being. I say it all the time. But he's he's not he's not small. He's incredibly long. He's yeah. like a praying mantis out there, uh, just snatching the football. And everybody can go to the Jacob Media YouTube page. I, I put up some practice videos, and you can see Travis uh, and Devontae having their tetherball competition. You can see Devontae making it harder for himself. Uh, uh, by the way, he's throwing the football over his head so it snaps back over his head. Meanwhile, Travis Fulgham's just throwing it straight so it comes into his chest. You know, the guy's trying, the guy knows he's better than everybody else. So he's making it more difficult for himself. So there's a lot of positives, but boy, I got to tell you, Jody, this, and I'm talking about Nick Sirianni, this is either going to be the biggest home run in the world or the biggest you know what in the world. Because if this guy fails, you're going to hear all that stuff. High school nonsense, blah, blah. What is this? These are professional. You're going to hear all that stuff. This guy's got to win. And he's got to win pretty early. Well, how early is early? I, I, I think pretty early. Or he's going to start taking hit. You know, one of the things, he's in the media. Uh, and he, and he's, he's a good question, great question, phenomenal question guy. Um, and then he never answers the question. Um, so he's trying to make people feel good. You can see, and, and by the way, I always have, I've always argued this. I always bring up Joe Torrey, but you got to do it in a more subtle fashion. You got to be more subtle about it. And, and people will give you the benefit of the doubt when they know you're blowing smoke up there. You know what? It's, it's, it's too obvious. It's too over the top. Now, again, it all comes down to wins and losses. If he wins, he could do whatever he wants. You know, Bill Belichick is the biggest curmudgeon in the history of the world. So what? Yeah. Uh, he's got all the rings to, to, to back it up. Everything comes down to winning or losing. I got to tell you, though, it, it hit me on Friday. I'm like, this is too much. This is too much if this guy loses. This is this is like that's why I said it's like it's like going to the fucking carnival and I can curse on this show. It's like going to the carnival. I'm 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 going to put fifty cents down to go on the tetherball machine. And and, all right. and, and all right, all right. let me answer some questions. Um, first things first. Did you get a fist bump? No. Um, oh. Different. Well, different. he's not blowing it up your butt. Apparently, others maybe, but not John McMullins. No, different type of environment because we're at Lincoln Financial Field. He couldn't give anybody a. So fist nobody bump. got fist bumps. No, okay. nobody got fist bumps. Right, we would have got fist bumps if we were at the Novacare Complex. Gotcha. All right. Um, you say he's got to win early. Xander and I, uh, the fine producer of this program, were talking before you got punched up this morning, and Xander pointed out that he just double checked the. Odds to win the Super Bowl this year. There are only four teams in the NFL at longer odds to win the Super Bowl as of right now than the Philadelphia Eagles. And part of that could be because they've got an unknown, uh, overly enthusiastic, high schoolish new head coach. But a good part of that is because of the roster that they're going to come into this season with. And that does not equate to, quote-unquote, winning early, as far as I'm concerned. 
does he get no grace period whatsoever? Like, if they're 0-3, oh, my God, Nick Sirianni is a high school coach. How the hell is he in charge of the Philadelphia You know, it's interesting, when does, when does that probationary period end? Before I, the first month of the season is over? If you're 0-4, yeah. You know, I was thinking about that. I, You know, worst case scenario is like 0-6, 0-7. Then the wheels are off. That's a good number, 0-3. When does it start? You know, I think he's got to win early. I think he's got to get one early. Might be Atlanta. Might be no Julio Jones. Right. So, be- again, hypothetical. Beats Atlanta, but then loses four straight. Dead in the water at one and four? It's still bad, but not dead in the water. I, I will say, you know, one of the positives for Nick is I think he's going to overachieve because the expectations are so low. So, I, I think – Personally, I think he's going to overachieve. I had this team at eight wins. I think you had him at eight wins. Yep. That's better than Vegas. That's better than – that's what I'm talking about. When I say win, I'm not saying win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying win the NFC East even. Certainly not being a Super Bowl contender. They're not going to be a Super Bowl contender. I'm saying you have to overachieve. You have to do better than is expected. And that's that's good because not much is expected. And the reason I would take little issue, uh, a little issue with you. You said the roster is the reason for the expectations. I disagree. The reason for the low expectations is the head coach and the quarterback. Really? And that's it. And that's it. Well, the and quarterback way, is part of the roster, is he not? Well, yeah. But what I'm saying is the rest of the roster is the reason I think they're going to overachieve because I think this is a really good offensive line, a really good defensive line. And that's why I think they're going to be better than people expect. All people outside Philadelphia are looking at the head coach and they're seeing the nutty stuff and the stuff we just talked about. And they're looking at the quarterback who's inexperienced and hasn't proven anything. And that's how people are when they look at this league. They expect bad play from young quarterbacks. All right. Here's one that I'm pretty sure we're going to have a Mac and Mac disagreement. Which, as we sit here, what's today's date? The 10th? 11th? No, no. they're going way ahead. June 7th. Okay, damn I thought the year was flying right by. You're trying to get the opening week for the Eagles quicker than I should. Um, As we sit here on June 7th, 6-7, which is a bigger concern for the upcoming Philadelphia Eagles season for John McMullen? The quarterback or the cornerbacks? Which to you do you think is a bigger concern for this upcoming year? Um, that's a good question. I, I would say the, because of Derek, the only reason I even hesitate is because of Darius Slay. Darius Slay is a good, good player. And Jonathan Gannon is supposed to be sort of a, a cornerback type of guy. And he, he reclamated Xavier Rhodes. He reclamated TJ Carey. So he's supposed to be somebody who can take lesser talent and at least make them competent. Um, because of the quarterback position and its importance, I would be more concerned about the quarterback. Yeah, that's what I figured. My worry is more cornerback. Right now, uh, Zach McPherson, your QB, your CB2. Yeah, I'm not uh, happy with A fourth-round pick who we got no idea can even play cornerback in the National Football League. How did he do a tetherball, by the way? Maybe that will tell us whether he he can be a – he was at the backpedaling tent, Jody. He, how, how did his backpedaling go? Yeah. Well, he's not the cornerback, too. He's a rookie. The cornerback, too, right now is Avante Maddox. I'm not saying it's good, but, 
you know, it's a veteran right, player. I, I think I read this somewhere. You can confirm or deny. Uh, when they put their quote unquote teams out there and they did very little of it, it was Avante Maddox in the slot. Yeah. And but, Michael Jacquette outside uh, yeah. as a QB, uh, CB2 as of yeah. right now. So uh, I, I don't know that Avante Maddox is CB2 if they, well, and what they were doing, rightfully thinking it, he's better in the slot. They, he is better. What they were doing, though, is in base defense, which is not base anymore. It's sub-package. But when they're in a 4-3, Slay and Maddox are the corners. When they go to nickel, Maddox kicks inside, Jaquette comes in. So the which, two corners... Which is, which is how much, and you can either quote numbers from last year or project for me, how often are they in nickel? 65% of the 60, time? About 65, yeah. yeah. My own, no, my, not, what, the base package is now 35%? If that, my my only point is Avante's the cornerback too because he's the one on the field that's going to be on the field a hundred percent of the time. That's true. Too. That's that's my only point with that. Uh, so they'll start him outside. They'll kick him inside. And you're yeah, I'm sub package and is no longer sub package. That's one of my pet peeves. <laughs> Nickel should be base. Four three should be the sub package. But right. nonetheless, you you get my point. One guy's going to be on the field all the time. The other guy isn't. Yeah, it stinks. I still say today, if you were going to 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 ask me who's going to be the second outside corner or that third corner, if you're going to move Avante Maddox inside, I think he's still not on the roster. I think he's still that's uh, I think that's still to come. All right, but along those lines, one of the individuals who could have been considered as a possible CB two for this team decided to join the Minnesota Vikings over the weekend. Former corner, uh, former chief, Rashad Breland, Super Bowl champion cornerback, uh, inked a free agent deal with the Vikings. The best I can get on, maybe you've got better than me, uh, details on the contract are up to $4 million, which, again, you don't really know what the exact numbers are. Uh, the deal that the Eagles did with Ryan Kerrigan was up to $3.5 million, but we found out the base was only a million and change with incentives, probably achievable incentive, but incentive just the same. So it doesn't count against the cap just yet. Um, Breland signed what seemed to me to be a reasonable deal. The Eagles, I don't know how close they were to weren't signing him, but they didn't sign him. Another legitimate starting cornerback comes off the board this weekend. You just mentioned you believe CB2 is not in Eagles camp. Yeah. Well, when's he getting here, J-Mac? Hmm. When is well, Howie Roseman going to make that happen? It could be August. As we said, he continues to make that Ronald Darby comparison, which they picked up him in August. But look, Jody, it's a bad position um, outside of Darius Slay. We all know it. it they know it. Uh, uh, they're going to talk up the players that are here because what good is throwing them under the bus? Um, you know, Breland's an interesting guy because, look, he he started on a really good football team. Uh, you know, won a Super Bowl, went back to another Super Bowl. Uh, for whatever reason, I never heard his name mentioned with the Eagles. It, it's always about evaluation. For whatever reason, they didn't seem to be interested in the player. Um I don't get it. You know, I think the name that's out there that most people focus on is Stephen Nelson. Stephen Nelson. Uh, yeah. I'm getting tired of saying Stephen Nelson here on Birds 365. Yeah. It's, I, it's and, a daily name toss and Stephen Nelson. How about Stephen Nelson? Yeah. Maybe Stephen Nelson. Could it be Stephen Nelson? 
How many days have we found out that the Eagles haven't signed Steven Nelson? I, I, I hope they're not putting all their eggs in one basket. To me, they should have thought about uh, Breland. I'm, he's better than what they have at the bare minimum. And we just talked about Jonathan Gannon. If if you're expecting Jonathan Gannon to turn Mike Chiquette or, or Zach McPherson into more than what they seem like, well, then he should be able to do some things with a guy who's, you know, played deep in the playoffs and had success with the Kansas. He played well, by the way. Obviously, there's athleticism concerns. There's a reason he's still on the market. He's not the most talented guy in the world. But he's proven he can play in a successful defense, and he's proven he can can produce in a successful defense. I'm, I don't know why they weren't interested, to be honest. But now he's not an option. He is no longer an option. He's going to be in purple this upcoming year. All right, one more point, and then uh, we're getting ready to get our first guest. Your bud, Mike Gill from 97.3 uh, down the shore. You've done many a spot on his show, so he's going to pay back the favor, do a spot on our show. Uh, one other thing that specifically hit home for me uh, from Friday, the Nick Sirianni's availability, um, when asked about padded practices, when they actually start practicing, these aren't true practices, JM. These are gatherings. These are uh, competition competitions. It hasn't been all about football, mano a mano, players versus players. Nick Sirianni was asked about padded practices once they actually do getting get padded practice in. And he said, I think I'm going to go right up to the CBA limit because there are restrictions on how often you can be in pads with the relationship between the players and the teams. Now Uh, there's a stopwatch for every minute that they spend in pads during practice prior to the start of the year. And then when the year is ongoing and the coach said, well, that's how you play football, right? In pads. And that, yes, we are going to use as much time as we can for padded practices while he may be fun during the summer and he may be all about keeping it light and keeping it lively and keeping his players happy. He kind of hinted at the fact that, Oh, I'm, when it's time to work, we're going to work when it's time to get physical. We're going to get physical. When it's time to hit, we're going to hit. That's exactly what this Eagle fan wants to hear at least. Yeah. I, I wouldn't get too hyped about that. That that's a phenomenal question though, Jody. Um, that's a phenomenal. I'm doing Nick Sirianni. Um, you know, look, they're going to be in pads. They're going to thud. They're not going to go down to the ground very much. I mean, teams just don't do that anymore. So if you're looking for live periods, Doug Peterson maybe did two a summer when they were out there, sometimes three. That was astronomical when you compared it to round, uh, round to the rest of the league. And obviously he learned from Andy Reid. So you can understand. I mean, that's not Nick Sirianni. That's not I mean, I mean, is it gonna be better than Chip Kelly? Yeah, probably. Is it gonna be as, as physical as Doug Peterson? Probably not. It's gonna be somewhere in the middle. And if you're looking for live periods of practice, if you get one or two, I'd be surprised. I, there'll be some oh, thuds. You're raining on my parade. He said he's yeah. gonna be in pads as much as he possibly can. Well, being in pads and having live periods or something. Chip Kelly had guys in pads. You want guys in pads just to just to get them used. We're talking about live periods. We're talking about hitting. That doesn't exist in the NFL anymore. Again, Doug Peterson did two or three an entire summer of live periods, and they were really short, by the way. You know, maybe goal line for a couple minutes, 
uh, maybe coming off the goal line for a couple minutes, and that was it. Now, will they thud occasionally? Well, you don't wrap up. You don't take people to the ground. That's what Chip Kelly did on occasion. There'll be more in that direction. I'm hoping that it's at least what Doug Peterson did. You told me you don't even think it's going to be as much as what Doug Peterson did. I'm hoping for at least that. And you're right. It's comparison to everyone else in the league. You can't compare it to what it used to be. Uh, I could try out Dick Vermeil in two a days, and we know that's never happening again in the National Football League. So you have to keep it in the context of comparing to every other team in the NFL. There are 31 other teams, Coach Sirianni. You want to be the most physical. You're hearing it from your buddy, the Mac Man. And you don't even have to tell me that's an outstanding question. Phenomenal question, Joe. Don't need any smoke blowing up this guy's rear end. All right, Dad, we'll blow smoke up our first guest when he comes on with us because he was good enough to get up and hop aboard with us early on. Uh, It is Mike Gill from 97.3 ESPN Radio down the shore. He's going to jump aboard next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. 
It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. got a Monday get-together here on Birds 365. We would be Mac and Mac, Jody Mac and Johnny Mac. Our two guests today are Mike and Mike. We got Mac and Mac and Mike and Mike. A little later, Mike Tannenbaum scheduled to join us, former GM of both the Dolphins and the Jets. Right now, we've got our buddy from down the shore, Mike Gill. Looking good. Where are you broadcasting from right now, Mike Gill? I am on my back porch. Living a life. Down the shore, Mike Gill. Drinking coffee on the back porch. That's what, John, you you sent me that email last night, and I was watching Moneyball like you, I believe. And uh, I woke (laughs) up this morning to get my coffee at 7 o'clock and said I got to help my buddies out. I appreciate it, Mike. And uh, by the way, I I, I tried to text you. It bounced back. Did you get a new number? We're doing business on the air right here. Something I for did some not. I did right. not get a new number, but uh, I'll have to check to see if something's up with my phone. You know, I don't know. We had there's all been right. some cell phone problems down here all weekend. Little inside baseball, doing business on the show, Jody. But let's uh, money ball, Logan Paul. That's the reason why. By the way, if you're the lowest common denominator and you're buying Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather, don't complain when it turns out to be nothing. Mike Gill and I are watching Moneyball. For the seventh thousandth time, and it was a better time. Actually, John, I, I tuned in a little to um, Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Greg Valentine's <laughs> Greatest Lost Treasures. Uh, A and E does ah, that. That's on a good Sunday show. Nights. That's yeah. That's in those Sunday show, nights, yeah, yeah. That's a very good show. All right, Eagle, stop, Mike. Let's get it in that direction. Uh, Nick Sirianni, final OTAs. You see mandatory minicamps in some cities around the country starting to di- uh, starting this week will be Tuesday in some NFL cities. Do you think the Eagles acquiesced a little bit too early on that aspect? You, you know, from my perspective, you need mandatory mer- work with a new head coach, a new coaching staff, and all those types of things. Yeah, that's interesting because I was talking last week about, you know, and and not even thinking about what you're saying is this whole Zach Ertz thing and whether he would show up to the mandatories or not and take the or take the fine. I guess we're not going to find that out because if they don't have to make him come, you know, if they decided against this, we're not going to find out how serious he is about the contract situation. And I agree with you. Like, I would think that. You want to see the mandatories there to see who's focused, who wants to be here, who has, um, you know, that focus of, you know, a couple of years ago, what was it when Kerry Williams went out to get the sconces and everybody went bananas, <laughs> and said, uh, you know, but you found out kind of early that like, you know, he was just an average guy. And you want to see who your guys are, the new coach, what kind of grasp of this team does he have? Because it seems that he's got a pretty good grasp of the team. He's very rah-rah and his people, he's kind of invigorated what has been a, pretty apathetic fan base over the last couple of months. And I feel like even though the team seemingly doesn't have a lot of expectations, all of a sudden out of nowhere, it's almost like, well, they just get Steve Nelson. This team can make a deep run. It's like, all right, calm down a little bit. But um, yeah, I think the mandatories would have been interesting for a couple of reasons to see 
who's following this coach, who's got his back. And the whole Zach Ertz thing, I think, would have been very interesting to see if he showed up. All right, let's go to Zach Ertz. Since that Julio Jones guy got traded uh, this week, I know it's not official yet, but it's going to get done. That means that Zach Ertz is probably as viable a candidate, a guy who's had a career resume uh, that's pretty damn good, who we know is available by trade in the NFL right now. Does this open up the possibilities anymore? Does it change Zach Ertz's expiration date in Philadelphia at all? Because the Julio Jones trade is now official done and he's heading to Tennessee. You know, that's interesting because I don't know that the Falcons got what they thought for Julio Jones, right? They got a second round pick. I think they wanted a first round pick. They couldn't get one. If they would have got one, he probably would have been traded by then. So the Eagles are holding out for probably a third or a fourth. I would imagine that's not on the table. And there's been reports that, well, we're not just going to give them away. So what's the stare down here? Are you going to cut them and just let them walk for nothing? Are you going to take the lowest offer that you get up until the moment that you feel comfortable? Um, Because I would imagine at this point, Julio Jones goes for a second round pick. If I'm a GM of another team, I'm thinking, hey, Ertz is great. Jones is way better. I'll, I'll give you a sixth. How's that sound? That might be the best thing they get. Is Howie Roseman going to acquiesce to that? I, I, this one's a very interesting stare down that's about that because he doesn't like to lose trades too much, right? Where he just like, ah, we'll give you the guy for the seven. That doesn't t- seemingly happen. But at the same time, that's why these mandatories would have been so interesting. I don't see him playing and just showing up here, but I also don't see him being the type of guy that says, well, am I going to sit out the whole – is it going to hold out the whole year? I mean, there's a little triangle here that is certainly interesting. Roseman, can he get value? Does Zach Ertz blink? Do the Eagles blink? This this thing is, is going to be interesting because you're right, Jody. He is probably the next highest profile guy that is contractually obligated to a team. The team doesn't really have plans for him. He doesn't want to be here. I, I don't I don't see him playing here at all, whether he holds out or is traded. Mike, you said something interesting there, and I agree with Howie Roseman does not like to lose trades. At at what point do you kind of look at it from a different perspective and say, you know, Zach Ertz is so well-respected in the Eagles locker room. He's meant so much to this organization as a whole. Does that have a lasting impact on the other guys in the locker room that, that looks at it and says, look at the way you're treating Zach Ertz. You know, is there a way to manage that situation a little bit better? You know, it's a fair question. I I guess it depends on each individual's view of the business. You know, do I, Dallas Goddard, understand that this is the business? Or do I, Dallas Goddard, say, this guy played the same position as me, and look how this is going. I mean, they're talking about extending his contract. Is he saying, well they're going to extend my contract and then three, four years from now, they're going to let it expire and not care about what I do. So I really think it's up to each individual mindset. It's, it's, it's a different thing. I guess if you're in the same room in the tight end room uh, with him, here's another thing though. What does Howie Roseman and the front office view for this team? I mean, do you get to a point and say, I'm not giving up a six rounder because I think we're better with him on the team. Or do they look at this as a throwaway year? At what point do you manage, you know, that whole, we have a shot and we're better with Zach Ertz. I don't say a shot to win the Super Bowl, but I would imagine they probably think they have a shot in this division. Do you guys agree with that? I mean, if their offensive line stays healthy, 
You know, they've got a pretty good defensive front. I think they think their linebackers are better. Uh, if Anthony Harris has a, you know, I would imagine he's an upgrade over Mills at safety. If they can get another corner, I would think they think they can compete in this division. So are you more competitive with or without Zach Ertz? I'm sure that is something they're managing too. Yeah, but I think that horse is out of the barn. If Harry Roseman is thinking along those lines, or if you ever said anything along those lines to a member of the media, I don't think that would go well. I think it's it's a fait accompli that Zach Ertz is going to be elsewhere. Um, Agree. Agree with let that. Me, let me uh, put you on the uh, coach meter here. Uh, John had some uh, interesting points on Nick Sirianni and how he handles the players to this point, how he handles the media to this point. I want to get your take on another important relationship, and that's between the coach and the owner. Uh, for me, the Eagles have a chance to be okay offensively this year if they've got the perfect balance of run-pass ratio. And in a league that is leaning toward pa more passing with every year more and more and more, maybe the Eagles do it a little bit differently this year with a rejuvenated veteran offensive line that uh, they, show me an offensive line that doesn't like the run block. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, tell you it doesn't exist. Will the head coach be allowed to run the football, to call his plays, to put together an offense the way he wants, or is it going to be like the former relationship between the coach and the owner where the owner wants to pass, 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 and the coach is supposed to say, okay, boss, okay, boss, okay, boss. How's right. that relationship going to work between Sirianni and Lori? Yeah, that's a fascinating one because I don't think we all, I don't think anybody thought that, Lori had much of an impact on that situation. And we hear, hey, they won the game in Green Bay. And then he was mad that they won the game, but ran the ball too much. So that was almost like this whole Lori thing and how much hand he has all of a sudden kind of grasp of this team has, has seemingly been a new revelation. I don't feel like anybody thought that he was some meddling owner. So why would we think if all of a sudden he became a meddling owner, what did it just last a year? And then he decided, ah, I'm going to get out of this. So no, I, I think that him and Sirianni are going to meet probably pretty frequently, much like Peterson kind of said towards the end. And the fact that is, look, this, I brought you in and hired you because of the style that I was looking for. So if all of a sudden he turns into some ground and pound guy, I would be pretty surprised because I'm sure that the interview process, he probably let it be known that that's not my philosophy, that I want to be able to kind of have a little bit more, or I don't want to say a, a run pass balance, but uh, rely on the pass a little more. Otherwise, he probably wouldn't be here, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jeffrey Lurie, Mike, he wasn't happy after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. He was not happy after the Eagles won Super Bowl 52. Different reason, because they gave up so many yards, but that's the reason Jim Sports was unhappy because he was hearing it from the owner after they raised the Lombardi trophy. <laughs> so, I mean, it is a guy who is very involved. And by the way, for the most part, I think that's great, because when you have an owner who's involved, you have an owner who cares, and the worst kind of owner is the apathetic owner. However, you know, when it's a big decision, head coach, quarterback, that's fine. But when you're in the weeds – yeah. And you have an owner saying, oh, the assistant wide receiver coach isn't good enough. The, the the guy who runs the water isn't good enough out to the field. Then it becomes a bit of an issue. And that's where I think we are. Where's Jeffrey Lurie going to be on that tightrope? And it's going to 
it's going to define sort of Nick Sirianni, what he's going to be as a head coach in this league. Yeah. And you know, the interesting thing is like Sirianni comes here. He's pretty much an unknown. Nobody's on, he's not on anybody's radar. And I feel like this is kind of the pattern that the Eagles have followed. Andy Reid was on nobody's radar. They find him. He works out. Chip Kelly, for the most part, I mean, he was a very high-profile college yeah, coach. Nobody seemingly could get him. And the Eagles figured <laughs> out a way to get him to come here. He, you know, he was going to go to, what, Tampa or Jacksonville and decided not to. Uh, everybody was, was kind Cleveland, of, but whatever. Somewhere. And everybody was kind of fighting for him. They figured out a way to get him. And then Peterson, he wasn't – was Doug Peterson getting an interview with anybody else? No. I mean, no. so I don't know how and where these guys land on the radar. So you got to give them some credit for uncovering and finding some of these guys that nobody else. Andy Reid is now the Andy Reid that we know, but he may have never gotten an opportunity had Jeffrey Lurie not kind of bucked the trend to say, hey, I'm going to give a quarterback coach the head coaching job. So for that element of Sirianni's inexperience and how young he is, I'll at least give them that benefit of the doubt that they have uncovered guys that have not been on anybody's radar. The one guy who was on people's radar was Chip Kelly, and he didn't make it. So let them go back to the formula that they've used in the past, which is finding young guys before other teams kind of get their hands on them. And I think the defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, might be down that same road that teams are going to probably be calling him if this team has kind of a surprising year. All right, Mike Gill, I don't know uh, what you were talking about with the guy, your listeners and your calls to your show leading up to this weekend, but we now know Julio Jones is not going to be an Atlanta Falcon, which from at least a minimal perspective, that's good news for the Eagles because he won't be in the Falcon lineup week one when the season gets underway. But I know that some people were hoping that the Eagles got involved in those conversations. Never a big deal gets by without Howie Roseman, at least inquiring i doubt the eagles were very much in the picture and or a uh, potential landing spot for julio it, it doesn't bother me that the eagles didn't get him your situation is what it is their cap situation is they've got a lot of young wide receivers they want to give a shot to i'm not bothered at all by the fact that uh the eagles didn't put as good if not a better offer on the table for julio jones than the one the falcons took are you put off by it no um the only thing that would have been intriguing is is, is for two reasons, um, but I agree, Jody. I, I mean, a thirty-two years old guy making up the money that he's making, you know, it might work for the first year. You know, like the only intriguing thing is, hey, Alabama veteran superstar receiver, get him around Devonta Smith, get him around Jalen Rager, get him in a very young young room. Uh, that this one thing you got to say about Sirianni is there's a picture that somebody tweeted out. And it's a picture of him and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, just the two of them standing together. And I'm thinking, man, if this guy can get something out of him, he would be uh, – what a wizard project that would be. But that would be the only thing for Jones is to get a veteran guy in this very – I mean, Greg Ward is the veteran, and he, the guy was playing quarterback four years ago, for God's sake. So uh, they don't have a guy in that room that can stand up and be like, look, guys, you know – so that would have been intriguing. The other thing that I had talked about on my show, guys, was if Roseman makes that trade, isn't the message we think we're good enough? We, you know, we look yeah. look at last offseason. Look at the moves they made last offseason. If you remember the Vegas lines, the over-under was like 10. I mean, people thought this team was going to be really good. It's not much different, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not a much different roster than the one they had a year ago. What happened last year? 
team was decimated, and the quarterback did not play very well. So there's again, I go back to, is there a small part? Now, John, you've mentioned this with me on my show many times. Roseman, the Eagles are always going to be linked to the biggest names because Roseman's always doing his due diligence and making the calls. But did he make the call to the Falcons? Because he thought they had a chance. Because he thinks if I can get that guy here, we're better than people think we are. I, I feel like that is a very interesting kind of story that that leads up to training camp if they continue to add to this roster. If they stay the way they are right now, which I can't imagine. I mean, what are you guys? Are you going to play corner? Because who they got right now is the equivalent, mm. right? I mean, they need yeah. help bad over there. But if they get one, I think that the all of a sudden the excitement gets a little different. So the, the whole Julio Jones thing, I think the – it wasn't really a great fit right now, other than locker room. Uh, he would have been a good player, right? Devonta Smith on one side, Smith on the other. I guess they play Rieger in the slot. You got Dallas Goddard. All of a sudden, your offense looks pretty darn good. But I think the messaging there would have been the interesting part. We think we're pretty good. You know, speaking of that messaging, Mike, it seems like we've been in this cycle for a number of years where – Previous season ends in disappointment. Now, that's been different. Could be in the playoffs. Last year was a total disaster. But Howie comes up, talks to us, and says, you know what? We got to get younger. We got to turn this roster over. We got to get more cost effective. Then things start to move along, and I start to feel just like what you said. We're a little bit better than people think. This time it's about the offensive line. It's about the defensive line. All of a sudden, he's signing Ryan Kerrigan, now very cost-effective deal, no issues from that standpoint, but still, he's taking reps away from younger players. He's making calls on Julio Jones. Are the Eagles falling down the same rabbit hole? They always fall down well, instead of being disciplined. You know, there's something people – I got news for you. People don't like Howie Roseman, right? That's not a secret. <laughs> If you go back and look at the 20 years that he's been here, they have had back-to-back losing seasons one time. That's it. You tell me a franchise that wouldn't sign up for back-to-back, and they went 7-9 and nine and 7-9. and nine. It wasn't like they were 4-12 and 12 and 4-12. and 12. They had back-to-back losing seasons once. If they lose again this year, that would be twice. The percentages say – they're not having a losing season this year. So this is a team that went seven and nine and won the Super Bowl. There were no expectations entering that year. It was a kind of an older roster. They almost followed the same map. They went out and signed a couple of older guys, Chris Long and Kerrigan. We saw we've seen the parallels there. They went out and got an older running back in uh, Legarrette Blunt or a veteran running back, Legarrette Blunt. Well, guess what? Why did they sign Carryon Johnson? Where did that come from? So. They've made these subtle little moves that almost mirror what they did when they had no expectations coming off of a losing season. We all saw how that ended up. Mike, Something I want to, to ask you about, about Jody Mack. You're thinking over there. I see you. <laughs> yeah, I am. I, I try and do a little of that each and every Birds 365. Actually think about what's uh, happening in Eagle Land. I'm going to go outside Eagle Land. And I know I asked you about this the last time we had it on, but I – I uh, apologize for not remembering exactly your stance. And maybe your stance has changed a little bit because Julio Jones just went to the Tennessee Titans. Indianapolis Colts this year. Carson Wentz is their quarterback. Everybody seems excited and happy in their camp this year. I think Tennessee is still the team to beat in that division. If they weren't, before they got Julio Jones, they are now. 
The Eagles have that pick this year, which will either be a first or a second going into 2022, depending on how much Carson <clears> plays <throat> and how good the Colts are. How good are the Colts going to be with Carson Wentz at the helm? You know, what's funny is um, they lost their offensive coordinator and defensive back coach. When that happened here, that was the big narrative the next year. Well, they don't have uh, Frank Wright. That's the problem. So, I don't know, is losing Nick Sirianni that big of a deal to Indianapolis? It doesn't sound like it. Here's a guy who's now a head coach in the league, and it doesn't seem to be a blip on the radar out there. Um, but I think they're pretty good. I mean, obviously, you know, one of the reasons why they're pretty good is their offensive line is fantastic. And that's the one thing here that gives me some sort of positive vibes is you have a good offensive line. You're going to be competitive in almost every single game. You have a shot to win if your offensive line's healthy. And I don't think anybody out there thinks that what Philly has on the line is very poor. I mean, they're going to be very good at all five spots if they stay healthy. Same with Indianapolis. That's a that's probably the best offense, one of the top three offensive lines in football. It all comes down to health. Now, the defensive side of the ball, they've gotten progressively better and better and better each year. I mean, just like their, their line was – it caused luck to retire. Their line was so bad. And here we are three years later – and they got one of the best lines in football, and that's what's kind of happening on their defensive side of the ball. But we'll see how the coaching losses impacts that team, and it all comes down to how that quarterback bounces back, right? I mean, that was such I, – I used to say on my show, as long as Carson Wentz is the quarterback, he will not allow you to have the season you had last year. I just couldn't – he was such a competitive guy, it seemed, and you just – he just wouldn't allow the wheels to fall off of the season. And then I watched it happen. I couldn't believe it. I said, oh, my God, like what happened to this guy? Sometimes we all need a little change of scenery. Sometimes that just kind of brings out, you know, the be the best in you. Just you get into a rut. I I'm imagining that's where he was. He just did not want to be here anymore. I think it just hated walking in that building. So I would imagine he bounces back because I could not imagine watching what happened to him last year happen again. I can't imagine. Mike, I talk about it every day. I still can't figure it out. I still can't figure it out that somebody like that played at the heights that he did, fell to the point where he was the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. The worst. But, but there's a, like, to go back to, to bring it back to the Eagles a little bit, is he was the worst. And I, I, I'm, I was a Wentz guy. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying he was the worst. And I said, Every week on Monday, we'd come in. I said, the quarterback got an F. I give him an F. He was F. <laughs> if he was just C minus, they probably win four more games last year. He's still I mean, here. If he so was if C you minus. get just average quarterback play this year, aren't you better? Like significantly? Because you got, not to mention, you had really bad quarterback play coupled with 13 different line combinations, not very good wide receiver play. And if you look back at their schedule, I said this the other day, you know, these games, they're losing by one score. Like, how? You had the worst quarterback play in the league, the worst offensive line. They weren't the worst offensive line play, but the problem is, hey, my name's Jack Driscoll. Who are you? Oh, I'm Nate. Next week, oh, I'm Jack Driscoll. Who are you? Oh, I'm Matt Pryor. Nice to meet you. Hey, I'm – you had a different guy next to you every single week. You can't win like that in this league. I mean, it, it's – and somehow – they were somewhat competitive in game. Now, not aesthetically pleasing, but I don't know how they did it. It's a fascinating to me that they were somewhat competitive in games with that quarterback play and the, the revolving door on the offensive line. And by the way, 
a very average defense. Want to run this one by you, Mike. Uh, John gave me a strong take on this early, which I hope is not uh, accurate, but he knows pretty well, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He said Nick Sirianni better win, and he better win early because of the way that he presents himself, because of the way he answers questions to the media. The fan base are going to have their perception because of the way he does his business. John was telling me if they're like 0-3, the roof could come down on Nick Sirianni. I think that's pretty damn early. I think the Eagles roster, yes, if Brandon Brooks is back and he's Brandon Brooks, they'll be better. If uh, Lane Johnson can play 14 out of 17 games rather than 7 out of 16, yeah, they'll be better. But this roster still has holes and it still has issues. I, I don't know. Take Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick came in here, coached the Eagles. We saw what happened last year to Bill Belichick when he didn't have a good enough roster. Below 500. <clears throat> so I don't know that this is on the head coach as much as it is on the talent on his team. How quickly could it go really bad for Nick Sirianni, in your opinion? Oh, see, I disagree with you, John. I think the second – if this team's 0-3, 0-4 – I mean, you think the visceral for Roseman's bad now. I can't imagine. These people are going to literally be standing outside that building wanting him gone. I mean, I cannot think of a more hated figure in the – I've been doing my oh, show. Hated. Since, yeah. I've been doing my show, I guess, since 05. I can't think of a guy that comes close. The man won a Super Bowl, by the way, and is the most just disliked person – I've ever come across. I can't even think of a number two. If you said <laughs> who's number two to Roseman in this town, I can't think of one. I mean, it might, it might be me for criticizing Nick Sirianni, but I want to frame it. I understand my, your point, though, is that there's excitement because they like this young coach and that, but I, don't you think that it all deflects back to Roseman, man? They, no, people here's, just think, here's why I say it, Mike, because you and I were watching the same thing last night, Moneyball. Think about that movie. Howie loves that movie, so I'll bring it back to Moneyball. Uh, what What is the definition? Obviously, it's Hollywood, everything about But when you do something different and it doesn't work, people just lose their minds. So you have to be better. So when you're, when you're playing the carnival games, when you're playing tetherball out there, when you're having backpedaling races, when you got the carnival barker saying, here we go. You're doing things in a different way. And then you're up on the on the podium and you're saying, that's a great question, Mike Gill. That's a phenomenal question, Mike Gill. And then you don't answer the question? People figure it out pretty quickly. I'm saying because of the style, because he's doing things differently, if different doesn't work, it's worse than status quo not working. Would you agree with that standpoint? Yeah, I, I I see what you're you're saying about, you know, that he's got everybody on his side right now. Hey, you know, get on my side. I'm going to say everything to get you excited. We're all jazzed up. And then the second doesn't go well, it almost turns into the Andy Reid, we need to do a better job when people are like, all right, I've had enough of that. Andy didn't run right, right away. It was kind of a different time, though. I mean, the team has now established itself as – I don't know. I mean, one of the premier franchise. I hate this. I don't want to use the word gold standard, but they've they haven't had very many losing seasons in yeah. twenty five years. I mean, this team is consistently competitive. 
So I think Sirianni's in a different spot than where – But Well, yeah, but and by the way, my, yeah, by the way, I said overachieve. I don't mean win the division, win the Super Bowl. And I think that's a good point for him because the expectations are yeah. so low, but he's going to have to overachieve. If he's 0-4, 0-5, 0-6, you're going to hear this high school, rah-rah, this guy's overmatched. It's going to be bad. Yeah, now what's the number? Like, is it 0 and 5, 6? Yeah, that's difficult. I don't think it's 0 and 3, 0 and 4. I think you start to hear it. I think you start to say, this guy's overmatched. This guy's a high school coach. This guy's rah rah, all that kind of stuff. Well, and, Might and, be and unfair. I think you're going to hear it. It's like, you know, last year that there was high expectations. Well, what happened was you relied on older guys and they broke down. I mean, yeah, if Deshaun Jackson plays last year, they're probably pretty good. If Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks don't get hurt, Steve's probably pretty good. But you relied on older guys. That's where the rub kind of came in. It wasn't that they had bad talent. It was that you put faith in guys that just couldn't produce any at the level that you expected them to. And that's when a season comes crashing down. Are they in a similar mold here right now where – it goes back to the GM. Hey, you put this team on the field and it, and thought that Lane Johnson was going to get through a season. You thought a guy with two torn Achilles was going to get. Now, I don't have any problem with Brooks. I think he looks like he's in fun. I love this answer. Hey, last time I tore my Achilles, I was the best guy in football, period. So, hey, that's a great answer to me. But you got a lot of. And the other guy, Kelsey, he was the one guy that didn't get hurt last year. What are the percentage chances he makes it through the season this year? And last oh, year he he's played. always hurt. He just plays right. through it, Mike. He's he always played hurt. with an injury last yeah. year that he probably normally wouldn't, but the whole rest of the line was hurt, so he gutted it out. So uh, I think again, I, I, I see what you're saying, John. But I again go back to that guy is despised so much that more will go to him than would go to Sirianni. All right. So I got Gil on my side. That's a good thing. Uh, last <laughs> one for me. And John tells me that Nick Sirianni is a perpetual loser in all the competitions that he has. Oh, that's that any time he gets involved in any competition, he always loses. So at some point, before the season starts, somebody has to be a sacrificial lamb. Somebody actually has to lose to Nick Sirianni in some competition. What Eagle player is going to step up and say, Coach, I'll lose to you. I know you need this one, Coach. I'm ready to go into the tank. I'm ready to go all process and Sam Hinkie for you. I will intentionally lose to you. Who's going to be that Eagle player that will go down at the hands of Nick Sariani? Well, if I knew who the punter was at this point, I would say he's got to be the obvious guy, but do they even have a punter on the roster at this point? Wow, come on. It's Aaron Sipos, Mike. Everybody who knows that. What? Yeah. Wait, wait. Yeah. Repeat that, please. Aaron Sipos. Yeah, yes. see, only Birds 365 can get a Bur Aaron Sipos mentioned yeah. on the program. That's hardcore football fans right there. Look, and by the way, you know, we talk about specialists. Jake Elliott is the best at all these things. Unbelievable golfer, uh, unbelievable basketball player, softball player. Uh, you name it, Jake Elliott, as, as Nick mentioned, wins it everything except Maybe the occasional 33-yard field goal. Oh, shot on goal <laughs> score by McMullen. The, the other guy would be J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Like, hey, coach, I know I've been a big disappointment, but I'll let you beat me. Can I get a roster spot? 
That's not bad. That's not bad. That's that very good. good thinking on that your part. Yeah. Uh, we will wrap it on that note. Mike Gill, we appreciate you getting up. Uh, go mow the lawn or something behind you. It looks like you it looked like the the bushes need a little trimming back there. So get to work before it gets too hot out, Gil. Thanks for coming on with us, buddy. Thanks. See you Thanks, guys. Mike. That is Mike Gill from 97.3 ESPN Radio down the shore and a uh, longtime partner of Johnny Mac. I am his partner now, Jody Mac. We are the Mac and Mac guys. This is Bird 365. Come back. A couple more things I want to run by John. And then uh, coming up uh, about uh, 25 minutes from now, we'll be joined by yeah. another Mike. That would be Mike Tannenbaum, former general manager of the Jets, the Dolphins, <clears throat> now executive analyst for ESPN. Come right back with Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
Hour number two coming your way here on Birds 365 with the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Uh, looking forward to about 20 minutes now talking to Mike Tannenbaum, ex-general manager of the Jets and Dolphins, now NFL insider for ESPN on the executive side. Um, thank Mike Gill for coming on. Uh, did a good job. Fun dude. Good dude. Appreciate him joining us. Um yeah, by the way, Jody, real quick with, with Mike Tannenbaum, you're not going to rip him for the Jets because I want him to come on again. No, I want to make sure. I, I And by the way, he also could be could be the reason Howie Roseman's in the NFL. So I'm a little concerned that people will turn on Mike okay. after we you, talk. You, Mike you, can, you can go down that, you can go down yeah. that road with him, Johnny Mac. Um, no, I thought Tannenbaum was an okay general manager for the Jets, like all Jets general managers before him. Eventually, you got to the point where, okay, this hasn't worked out, and you got to move on. Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today, we talk retrospectives with Agile coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online, at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast. So you turn all those retro notes into Jira tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Some no. more yeah. quickly than others. Tannenbaum stuck around for a good long period of time. Um, they did have some success during Mike's run early on, Rex Ryan and the like. So, no, I got I got no issues with Tannenbaum. Me and I will be perfectly fine on the air. Um, no, I was just joking. But he's he's also run, you know, part of that thirty third team website. I want you, want to mention that because the thirty third team dot com is one of the best new websites. It's called a football think tank. Joe Banner writes for it. You know, Mike, all these former executives they. Had, I think they had a Doug Peterson piece recently. So uh, they get some pretty high profile people on there. So I do want to direct everybody to the 33rdteam.com as well. Fair enough. Uh, and we'll do that with Tannenbaum coming up in less than 20 minutes from this now, uh, uh, from now. Uh, you and I really haven't talked about Julio Jones. I brought it up with uh, Mike Gill. Um, he gets dealt over the weekend. Uh, I had heard uh, from one of my sources that Arthur Blank was not going to pull the trigger on this deal until someone gave him a first-round draft pick, that they were going to hold tight to, if we got a second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu, how the hell can we only get a second-round pick for uh, Julio Jones, who is that much better a player? Well, the size of Julio's contract is the reason why you didn't get a first-round pick, Mr. Blank. 
And apparently his general manager explained to him, listen, not happening. It's just not out there. And we don't want to hold on to Julio and have him not showing up. And we're fresh start team, new GM, new coach, uh, new direction. We need to do this is uh, make the best deal possible. They did getting a second round plus they swapped a six. They get back a fourth and a draft two years down the road. So it's a two plus in exchange for Julio Jones. I got no issues with the Eagles not getting involved. You made the point with Mike, and you've done it several times with me over the last few weeks. Well, are the Eagles trying to win this year, or are they trying to build? Are they in a uh, retooling, restructuring uh, time frame, or are they actually going for it this year? It's tough to straddle that line, and I think the Eagles have tried to do that several times. Um, Julio Jones would certainly stamp. Oh, no, we think we can win the division here in 2021 if they traded for him. And it just didn't make sense from a cap standpoint and the like. And the young developing wide receivers in their room, I got no issues with Howie Roseman not getting involved with this one. Do you? I have no issues, but I think he was involved. You know, to me, the, the, it's difficult to tell, Jody, because this is not a normal year. We've talked about a lot. And. You know, I'm thrilled to have Mike on as well, Mike Tannenbaum, because former GM, he can take us behind the scenes with all these types of things. But the Eagles are up against it from a salary cap standpoint. One of the reasons why, obviously Carson Wentz most notably, but also the pandemic and the shortfall in the salary cap. I think it would have been interesting if the Eagles even had a modicum of room to maneuver. I think they would have been deeper involved here because they really – from what, what I've been told, they really wanted this guy. They just couldn't do it for a number of reasons. One, uh, from their perspective, uh, they just didn't have the room. They would have had to do two, three other things just to create the space um, and, and sign their draft picks and all that kind of stuff and bring in Steven Nelson, corner, whatever. They have a lot of moves they have to make still. Um, so that – is one part of it. And then Julio's part, I think at his stage and rightfully so at 32, um, he wanted to go to a perceived contender. You can argue, but Tennessee is certainly a, a playoff worthy team, whether you think they're legitimate or not is up for debate. I don't think he thought Philadelphia was relevant at the, at the right time. So I don't think anything meshed. And I think that's a good thing for the Philadelphia Eagles. But they were interested. And if it were a normal year, that see, that's what's most interesting to me, Jody. Would they have shown the discipline to stay away from Julio Jones? I argue they didn't. They wanted him. They didn't show that discipline. They just weren't able to get it done because of circumstance. Yeah, but it never hurts to ask. I, I got problems with Howie. I certainly our buddy Mike Gill's got problems with Howie. The fact that he always dips his toe into the water, I got no problems. As long as you don't act on it and make an irrational move or an overreaction move, you can always ask. You can always be involved in the conversation. I, I have no always... issue with that either. I think yeah. it's good. I think it's good policy yeah. to keep an eye on everybody. It's the reason Alshon Jeffrey ended up here. The Eagles thought they had no shot at Alshon Jeffrey uh, in free agency if you go back to that uh, season when they signed him. He was the number one wide receiver on the market. He thought he was getting $17 million a year. However, he was also injured a lot. He was coming off a, a PED suspension. 
all of a sudden the market unveils itself. It's not even close to what Alshon Jeffrey thought it was going to be. Backtrack, Eagle said, hey, come here on a prove-it deal, one year, um, we'll take care of you, and, and everything worked out. Now, at the end, it was really bad, but it worked out early for the Philadelphia Eagles with, with Alshon Jeffrey. Big part of a Super Bowl winning team. Uh, don't forget that just because the ending was as bad as it was for Alshon here in town. Um, do want to uh, ask about this. Once again, the Philadelphia Eagles showing no respect to Birds 365. They announce on Friday, shortly after we wrap up our show, that they've signed three more of their draft picks. They signed three last week, right after we wrapped up for the weekend. And then they do it again this week and uh, signed three more draft picks. But there are still two guys that haven't been in. You're still worried about this, Jody? Yes, I am. They, 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 they get the two sixes and a seven done before they get Landon Dickerson done. I tell you, there's something there. Where there's smoke, there's fire, McMullen. You can well, there is say, something there. No, there's no issues. There's no problems. There is it's no. Get I'm telling you, there's, oh, a, there, there's at least an issue there. All right, I'm going to say it again. It, it is probably a more difficult negotiation. Now, Pat Dye's not going to tell me. That's Landon's agent. Uh, because of the injuries, my guess is, my guess, is that the Eagles are being heavy-handed on the offset uh, aspect of it, uh, on putting offset money, offset clause into the contract, not money, or uh, the signing bonus and the structure of it, and and that generally, you know, when is it paid out? Those are the only two things you argue about. If you're worried about it, Jody, I'll say this to you. I'll give you some homework. Okay. We got 22 hours once we're done this show for to another Birds 365. Since 2011, but that's when the new rookie wage scale came into effect. Find me another second-round pick that held out of training camp. You're not going to find one. They don't exist. The, the, biggest, the biggest case is Joey Bosa a couple years ago uh, who had a really, really uh, contentious relationship with the Chargers before they finally made it up. Right. Um, that went into late August as a high-profile first-round pick. I remember his mom at the time even said, I wish we Eli, Eli Manning the Chargers. <laughs> but the Chargers are notoriously one of the cheapest organizations, one of the, you know, the Eagles aren't that way. So if you can find one, I, I would be glad because I, I don't think they exist since 2011. That's why I say don't worry about it. I'm not saying Pat dies and saying, look, I, I don't want offset language in there. Maybe wants a different date for the payments. Those are the kind of stuff you argue about. It's not a big deal. That's all I'm saying. Okay, all right. I, I hope you are right, and I am wrong, but it does make me a little bit nervous. Should I get nervous about Jacoby Stevens now? <laughs> no. <laughs> a guy a little bit further down the line. I don't know that holding out as a sixth yeah, round yeah, draft right. pick is really the smartest thing to do. Right. So I have less of a worry about him. But yeah. why Why are these two guys still not signed? You got the first round guy done. That's well, no issue. But you can't get your second and your sixth done? As I said, with Dickerson, it's a little bit understandable because of the injuries and the offset stuff. I, I could see that being somewhat uh, a, a little bit more difficult than the average negotiation. But, yeah, with, with a six-round pick, I mean, 
that's got to be the agent's busy timing, vacation, something, you know, completely ancillary. I mean, there's not a six-round pick in the history of the world. And remember, both guys were at OTAs. I mean, it, it's not like they're angered at the organization. They're both there. They're both working. Uh, now, you can't show up to training camp without a contract, uh, but I wouldn't worry about it. That's all I've been saying. All right. Uh, I was not watching Moneyball like you and Mike Gill last night. I was watching the Vegas Knights get even with the Colorado Avalanche before yours truly went to bed. Um, but the last thing I did before I shut off my computer and headed north was to see if my guy, Peter King's FMIA column was up. It goes up some point on Sunday night, even though they call it the Monday morning uh, column. It used to be, of course, the Monday morning quarterback. Now it's the Monday morning column. Uh, it goes up sometime on Sunday night. It had not gone up by the time yours truly went to bed. It was up by the time I got up and hit my computer at 6.45, whatever time it was this morning. Uh, and I can't start a football Monday without Peter King. This concerned me. And I know it concerns you a lot more than it does me because it's your job, your ballywick. The NFL is certainly leaning toward making all media connection with the players, with the coaches, with the executives, Zoom accessible again this year. That it looks like locker rooms are not going to be open. This is not an official stance. Roger Goodell has not come out with a statement yet. Nobody has said this, but Peter King reported today in his FMIA column that it looks like that's the way it's going to go for this upcoming 2021 year. As we make pro progress against the virus on a daily basis in this country, in many ways, shapes, and forms, the NFL might be dragging its feet a little bit. That they, they don't necessarily see it. Say, well, it's kind of like the players' union. Hey, we were virtual all year last year, and the product was the best it ever was. So why should we show up at camps? Well, the NFL is going to turn around, even though they fought the union on that, the NFL is going to turn around and now try and give the media the same exact explanation. Hey, last year we had a great season with you guys just hopping on Zoom and talking to the players virtually. Mm. Why do we want to take a risk and put people at risk and have you guys in the locker room? It looks like you're going to be doing most of your work on an individual basis, talking to coaches, players, general managers and the like via Zoom. Johnny Mac, you okay with this? Uh, no, obviously not. I mean, it's it's more difficult to do your job. You can't get one-on-ones. You, um, you know, look, the media is not well liked. We know we might be the only people more disliked than Howie Roseman, as as uh, as Mike Gill just said. He he might have found us. We're the media. Uh, nobody cares until they miss it, uh, you know, until they don't get. And by the way, there's a whole new group of fan base that doesn't want real information. They want uh, state run media. They want Eagles.com. They want smoke blown up there. You know what? They don't want real coverage. So uh, it is a, a different shift. I, I think most fans are still in the case of their one honest coverage of their team. Uh, for them, they will miss it when it doesn't exist. Uh, for the people who aren't, uh, you know, they don't like it, they won't miss it. It's not that big of a deal. I'm not here to tell you that what we do is so important, but 
the NFL's like everybody else, never let a, a good crisis go to waste. They're taking advantage of this situation and they're trying to eliminate this. I predicted when it happened, they're not going to give this back to us. That was my my prediction two weeks in. When they see that they can control the message, they will seize that. Now, what Peter's talking about through training camp, so training camp, we're not going to be allowed in the locker room. It's going to be interesting week one of the NFL season. Now, it's not that big of a deal at training camp because practices are going to be open. We can get guys coming off the field. It's easier to do that anyway. So the real test is week one of the NFL season. Are we allowed into locker rooms post-game? If we're not, that's a really, really bad development for information, for, for information gathering, for the industry as a whole, whether fans understand that or not. Um, it's, a, it's a bad decision, and it's, it's not the way they should go. I will ask it as not knowing whether you have an example to work off to answer my question, but I'll give it a shot. Last year, you did your job the way you do your job. And my job is to sit, sit here and react. You are different than me. You're an actual reporter. I'm not. Um, when you wrote the pieces that you wrote for either um, Philly, phillyvoice.com and or uh, Sports Illustrated, uh, not Birds 365. This is a new entity that's kind of different from anything you or I do in other places. But uh, you got feedback, I'm sure, at some point from the people that you covered, uh, be it players, coaches, uh, executives from teams and the like. Did they get more put off with you? Did you think your reporting was the same as it's always been? John McMullen does what John McMullen does. And uh, then those you cover react to what you do, what you say, the opinions you have. Did your feedback change at all last year from the way people perceived that you <sighs> did your job? I'm not talking about fans because fans are fans, but I'm talking about those you cover. Did they think you did it differently and or have more of a problem with you the way you did it because you had to do it virtually? No, I, I don't think anybody reached out and said, um, you know, basically, first of all, let me say it this way, Jody. People only reach out in a negative fashion. Nobody nobody reaches out to pat you on the back. They say, you, you're terrible, you're horrible, you don't know what you're doing, you hate the Eagles, you like blah, blah, blah. I, I have, by the way, when I used to do national work, I kept hate mail from all uh, 32 teams. I finally reached that level to Good. where every single fan base thought, I hated their team, or I like the Eagles, or I like this, or I like that. That's one of the things I'm most proud of uh, <laughs> that people don't understand. Object objectivity is not hate. Uh, constructive criticism is not hate. Um, and reporting is reporting. Um, can we report as well from in, in, on Zoom? No, not even close. We're all getting the same information. I'm getting the same information as Zach Berman, as Jeff McLean, as Paul Domovich, as Tim McManus, as as everybody. We're all on the same stinking Zoom call. Right. So we can't do one-on-ones. You know, one of the guys I wanted to talk to so badly is the guy we mentioned, um, um, the kid from Buffalo, the tight end, uh, Jackson. Tyree Jackson, yeah. Tyree Jackson. Um, Jody, he is so big. He is so long. He is so... Mm -hmm. 
He stood out on Friday. I thought Doc Rivers was going to come over. He could have helped the Sixers yesterday. I, I thought he was such an interesting guy. You know, I don't know if he's going to turn into a player. It's a it's a huge leap to go from college quarterback to NFL tight end, but he looks like he could turn into an NFL tight end. Would be great to talk to him. I can't talk to him. I can't get to him. Nobody's going to ask for Tyreek Jackson on a Zoom when you only get four or five guys a week and you need big names, big players. That That is the perfect wheelhouse of an – of an OTA offseason story, fans aren't getting it. Whether they realize it or not, they're not getting those stories. And the funny thing about it is, you who do this for a living, me, I just kind of drop in and drop opinions. I actually spoke to Tyreek Jackson. Our buddy Rick Saratella, who we had on leading up to the draft, gets tight with all these players before the combine, after the combine. And he actually set it up so that I could have Tyreek on my show when he was a draftable player coming out of Buffalo as a quarterback. So I actually talked to him. I am on my show for 15 minutes. Smart kid, uh, earnest kid, honest kid. I liked him a lot. And he talked a pretty good game about his ability to play quarterback in the league. Now, we know that's not happening. But uh, if he can make it as a tight end, more power to him. I'm rooting for him. But I actually talked to him. So I hope your read is right that the physical build is there and the desire is there that he can actually maybe get a year on the Eagles practice squad and become a tight end and become someone who can help the Eagles win football games down the road. All right, we are the Mac and Mac guys. We'll take a time out here and then we are scheduled to be joined by Mike Tannenbaum, ex-executive in the league, uh, Jets GM, Dolphins GM, now ESPN, executive insider for ESPN. We'll come back with Mike Tannenbaum next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. 
Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Mac and Mac guys here with John Birds 365. Appreciate you dropping in. Look who's dropping in with us. Now, when I used to have my shows on up in New York, I used to call him Mr. T. He still doesn't have the prerequisite uh, mullet that's uh, right down the middle of the hair. <laughs> but I will call him Mr. T just the same. Former Jets general manager, Dolphins general manager, uh, contributor for ESPN, and now writer as well for the 33rdteam.com. Mike Tannenbaum joins us here on Birds 365. How are you, Mr. T? Good morning, guys. Great to be with you. How's it going? Going well. I want you to thank you for joining the show, Mike. I guess we got to start with Julio Jones since that's the biggest uh, move in the NFL, expected in, in in some degree. But as a former GM, I do want to get your thoughts on this whole sort of—I don't want to call it a theme in the league, but uh, the mentality of of a you know first ballot Hall of Fame player, but he's thirty-two. The adage is you don't pay age in this league. Talk about the value, second-round pick versus proven aging player, why that comes down from a potential first-round pick. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, Branch Rickey probably said best back in the 1950s running the Dodgers in baseball, which is you'd rather trade a player too soon, too late. Great example of it. It was actually same team, same position. A couple of years ago, the Falcons traded Mohamed Sanu to the Patriots for a second-round pick, and I think that's one of those moves that Coach Belichick – candidly probably would like to have back. Um, you have to be really disciplined about when you pay a player um, or trade for a player that you want to make sure that you're paying them for what they're going to do, not for what they've done. I've made that mistake in the past. It's really easy to do that, you know, considering like, you know, what the brand name potentially is with Julio Jones, but he's a great player, but I believe he's only played a full season season once in the last three years. And I think that's why at the end of the day, that's what the market was. And, there's about $17 million in guaranteed money, and that's obviously a factor as well. Mike, I want to put you in the Falcons general manager's shoes leading up to what happened yesterday. You've got a lot of people in your ear when you're dealing with something like this. You've got the player who's making demands and saying, I don't want to be here anymore. You've got your coach who's deciding whether he thinks uh, Julio Jones is going to help him win games. New coach, as a matter of fact, wants to make a good first impression. He'd probably like to keep the talented player around. You got the owner who's involved in Arthur Blank, uh, very well reported. He thought they could get a first-round pick. Then you got the fan base telling you, here's exactly what we should do. Our Falcons need this. 
How do you keep all those ducks in a row? How do you make sure that you're doing what's best because you make that decision, not because everyone else is throwing an opinion on your, your way about how you're going to hand this, handle this player in this deal? Yeah, I, it's easy. You know, Jody Mack, um, when you have the privilege of one of these jobs, it's a one-sense job description. The way I viewed it was you're the point guard of information. You sit between the head coach and the owner, and given all the complexities and, all, and certainly all the noise that you just enumerated, it's a great example of what that means, which is you get in the room with the head coach and the owner and say, all right, here's the deal. If we keep Julio Jones, here's what it looks like the next couple of years from a cap, cash, roster standpoint. If we have him, here's the four things we can't do. So when we're sitting here and we need another corner, our starting corner is our first-round pick in April of 2022. So it doesn't matter if Deacon Jones is available once we make the decision that we're keeping Julio Jones, here's what's going to have to look like. And everything else is just noise. The bloggers, the fans, the media. If you can keep those two people on the same page, you have a chance. And I think that's one of the reasons we had a great run. You know, when I look back in New York, being there for 16 years, like try to simplify things. But, you know, be it if it was Rex Ryan, Eric Mangini, whoever the head coach was. But, hey, can we stay on the same page, make the best decision for the franchise, and then move on? And I used to actually welcome the attention from this standpoint, guys. I worked in obviously two big media markets between New York and Miami, but I wanted the attention. I wanted them talking about the Jets or the Dolphins because if they're talking about the MLS team or, you know, the whatever, like it's, it's a privilege to run an NFL team and you want eyeballs on you. That's what drives the sports popularity. Mike, uh, I, I do want to take it locally with Zach Ertz, and obviously you're very familiar with Howie Roseman. When you have a, 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 a franchise legend, I don't know any other way to describe Zach, but obviously he probably doesn't have the value that the Eagles would like uh, on the open market because of what we just talked about, age, coming off some injuries, coming off a, a down season, uh, how do you sort of weigh the fact? I think everybody knows uh, the Eagles are going to move on at some point. How do you weigh the fact that when to cut bait? Do you look at your locker room? Do you look at the other players and they say, look at how they're handling this Zach Ertz situation? How difficult can, can that be? I would give Zach Ertz the same speech I would give Jimmy Garoppolo, which is, look, it's probably in everyone's best interest for you to be on this team this year. Now, look, we got Trey Lance or Dallas Goder, and they are the future, and I'd be bullshitting you if I said otherwise. With that said, this is an investment for both of us. The better you play and the better the team is, the more money it's going to put in your pocket next March and the better we're going to do this year. So give us everything you got this year. You're a pro. We're going to honor your contract. We want you to be the same Zach Ertz or Jimmy Garoppolo. And at the end of the year, we'll sit down shoulder to shoulder and we'll figure out a great resolution for everybody. But I need you to come in every day with energy, professionalism, and we're going to get through this year. And if you don't handle it that way, while you think you're just being mad at us, I promise you the 31 other GMs and teams are going to look at you, and they're going to say to themselves, like, why do we want to bring a jerk into our locker room? So just be careful of how you handle yourself. All right, Mike, need your uh, general manager opinion here. We know that the Julio Jones trade just came down had to settle for a second-plus exchange of two other draft picks. Don't know if it's ever going to get to this, but certainly there's been enough conversation about 
Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. If the Packers decide, listen, this has just gotten too ugly and we need to move on, Love continues to show well in whatever practices they're having in Green Bay, and they go, it's time to cut the cord, we need to start the next era of the Green Bay Packers. If you were a general manager who had a need at quarterback and thought Aaron Rodgers was the difference in making a Super Bowl run this year, what kind of value does he have on the open market? What could the Packers expect in return for Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, Joey Mack, that's easy. I, I don't I don't let Green Bay off the phone. Like I, I would get the deal done. And here's why. If we could sit here and say, hey, it's worth maybe two ones, if you have to give up a third first round pick, and that pick's somewhere between call it eighteen and thirty-two, and over time that has a fifty-five to fifty-eight percent chance of being a contributing player when you have a first ballot Hall of Famer who may get you the Super Like, if Aaron Rodgers was on the Denver Broncos, they're probably the favorites to go to the Super Bowl for the AFC. They go in front of Tennessee and Kansas City. Um, it's it's a burn the hand is worth two in the bush. Like, you're trying to draft Aaron Rodgers. And in this day and age, given his athleticism, lower body flexibility, and his diet and fitness, I think you could get reasonably, you know, four to five years at a, at a high level. So, if I'm another team, I just don't get him off the phone. I get the deal done, whatever it takes. Hey, Mike, speaking of off-season work, I want to I want to get your thought process from mandatory minicamp. Some teams are having them. Green Bay, we're, we're all interested. Aaron's probably not going to show up. It's going to be the $93,000 fine. Uh, Minnesota's got Daniel Hunter to deal with. We're going to see if he shows up. In other cities like Philadelphia here, uh, they they negotiated with the players. They scaled back. No mandatory work. As an executive, how would you have handled that? Would you try to have hold the line and say, "Look, we need this," especially with a new coaching staff? Or is it not that important? Yeah, uh, you know, context is everything, and I think we have to be sensitive to, to this, which is, you know. I've, I've been vaccinated. Most of the people I know have been, but not everybody has. And I don't know if you guys saw what happened yesterday with John Rahm, but, you know, he's leading yeah. the Memorial Tournament by six strokes. And, um, you know, he tests positive. And it was interesting how they said it from a media perspective, which is while they can't say if he was vaccinated, what they can say is if you were vaccinated, you, you weren't being tested. So that – leads you to the reasonable conclusion that he wasn't vaccinated. And because of that, I think this is a hard year to drive, hey, we need you here at minicamp. Now, with Nick Sirianni, of course, you want to have as many reps as humanly possible for Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts to be on the same page. But, you know, we're still dealing with a very insidious virus. You know, we're, seeing, we're still seeing positive tests. So I think this is a year where you can encourage, you can sort of like, you know, gently – try to persuade people, but I think you have to be very respectful that this is a very unique pandemic. We're probably, you know, at the one yard line, almost done with it. But until we're there, I, I think it's hard to say, Hey, we need you here because again, it's a personal choice and not everyone's vaccinated as of, uh, as of today. Is, that leads perfectly into my next question. Let's say you as a general manager and you as an organization and you have enough conversations with your boss, the owner, the other people uh, that work with you or under you. As an organization, you believe the vaccination is the way to go. Well, 
acknowledging it's a personal choice for everyone, the NFL has put legislation in that if you've got 85% vaccination, you can lessen your protocols, which will make it easier for you to run your organization. How do you get that message out that here's what the Eagles think without stepping on people's toes, without force feeding anyone's actions, you do have a big hammer, at least with a percentage of your roster, two guys really close, one's vaccinated, one's not. Guess who's making the team? The vaccinated guy. How do you let that be known in the locker room without without coming right out and saying, yeah, you want to make the team, best shot, get your vaccination now. You got to be very careful. How do you pull that off? I think education. You know, I'd be like most things sitting in that seat. You want to be a good listener? Um if you're not getting vaccinated, I'd like to know why. What are the concerns? Can we help you, you know, work through that? Um, you know, it's a personal choice. So um, I know Russ Brand, uh, excuse me, um, Brandon being the GM of uh, Bills was recently criticized for making comments along those lines. But I think like anything else, Joni Mack, you want to give them as much information as possible. So, Mike, if you are Brandon Bean, and he got in a little hot water for saying he might uh, cut a player uh, who wasn't vaccinated versus a player who was. Um, you have this CBA with the union. You can't force the players to get vaccinated. Um, from Roger Goodell's standpoint, it, it, it's a sticky wicket. Uh, is, is there any other aspect in education you can go down? Because it's an impossible uh, to get the union to uh, agree to get everyone tested. Yeah. Again, I think this is where you need a healthy relationship with the uh, Players Association because it's in everyone's best interest to have a full season, to have as many healthy players. Uh, it helps revenue. It helps with player health and safety. So to me, if I'm you know, the commissioner. Uh, I'm working with D. Smith, the executive director of the NFLPA, and saying, hey, we're teammates on this issue. Like, there's time and places we're going to butt heads, and that's healthy and natural in a collectively bargained relationship. But right now, we're on the same side of the table, and we need as many players as possible ever to get vaccinated. Because just like the expenses alone, that comes off of you know the money that's going to be shared by the players. So we want to make that pot of money as big as possible for everybody. So let's work together on this. Mike, I maybe asked you this question previously when I had you on a different show. Uh, if I do, I forget, so I need to ask it again. Your thought process on, as a general manager – hiring a college coach, that there have been some who have had success, many more who had failures. Really interesting storyline in the NFL this year is going to be Urban Meyer taking over Jacksonville. I think the quarterback that he got is going to make them a better team just by showing up, but uh, he's going to have do things the way he wants to do them in Jacksonville. I think we've already seen that. He's got a big power base. What is your general opinion on college coaches making the transformation to the NFL? Does it work? Can it work? Is it doomed for failure? It can work. It's not easy. You know, Nick Saban, arguably one of the greatest college head coaches of all time, was under 500. There's going to be a big learning curve. This is going <laughs> to test um, the mindset of Urban Meyer. What I mean by that, like, is it fixed or is it growth? Like, does he realize he doesn't have all the answers? And it's there's going to be some – we're going to – you know, if you guys have me on in the fall, there's going to be some time like, how come he didn't throw that challenge flag? Or why is this player still on IR? Like, there's a learning curve. 
and it's not going to happen overnight. And that's something that um, I think he has a chance. You know, he was successful at Bowling Green. He was successful at Utah, certainly Florida and Ohio State. But this won't happen overnight. Uh, Mike, and I want to encourage everybody, Mike Tannenbaum, ex-Jets GM, uh, former Dolphins exec, the 33rdteam.com. You guys call it the think tank. I love it. I think it's one of the best NFL websites out there. Uh, Mike's got Joe Banner, ex-Eagles president, a lot of guys writing for the site. But I do want to talk about, because we are in Philadelphia, Mike, you're one of the guys who got Howie Roseman started. Joe's one of the guys. You got... Can you kind of tell us the, the background of Howie Roseman, how he came to be in your eyes and Joe's eyes and uh, sort of come on this journey from intern to one of the NFL's most respected uh, general managers? Sure. Um, uh, at the time, I think I was like the uh, pro personnel director of the Jets. I may have been the assistant GM at that point, but I had this young guy who is uh, very persistent um, wouldn't take no for an answer. Met with him a couple times. Um, we didn't have any openings. He was at Fordham Law School and uh, had a good relationship with Joe Banner and uh, suggested that to Joe that, you know, we have this young dynamic guy that's hardworking, dying to get involved in football. We have no openings, but I don't think you would find it a waste of time to say hello to him. The rest is really history. Like, I can't take any credit for uh, all the successes he's had. Um, he's done a great job. Um, I like stories like that where people start at the bottom, take no shortcuts. Uh, there's a lot of nepotism in our profession, which is either fair or unfair. Um, but there is, and, um, you know, how he's one of those guys that's like bucked every trend and, you know, took no shortcuts and worked his way to the top. Mike, I always gave you credit when you were running the Jets because I'm a New York guy and was a Jet fan. Uh, growing up, still am season ticket holder. Uh, I thought you were one of the best capologists in the NFL during your time with the Jets. It's trickier this year than it's been in a long time because no one saw the pandemic coming and the NFL actually taking a step backwards as far as the size of their cap. But that is the case. Has anyone in your eyes done a better job handling it, positioning his team for this upcoming season and then the rebound season, if that's what it is, that's what I'm predicting it will be uh, as far as the cap going back up by leaps and bounds the year after. Who's done the best at keeping their team in the best cap position, in your opinion? I think the Saints, from this standpoint, you know, they just let a Hall of Famer retire and Drew Brees, and that comes with some massive den money that – you know, they had a bill to pay. They had deferred some cap charges. They have a young quarterback in Jameis Winston who really may be a great quarterback for a long time. You know, their backgrounds between Drew Brees and Jameis Winston, while aren't completely the same, are somewhat uh, interesting in terms of Drew Brees had some mixed success in San Diego before he moved on, hurt his shoulder, was franchised, Philip Rivers. There was a holdout, but – Bottom line was the Chargers were not dying to keep Drew Brees. He went on, and obviously the rest is history. Jameis Winston's put some really good tape out there in Tampa Bay. Obviously, turnovers have been a huge, huge concern. With that said, if they could clean that up, he could get the ball down the field. He has really good arm strength, good accuracy. And if I'm the Saints and I could go from Drew Brees to potentially a good starter, Jameis Winston, that's great cap management, great roster management. Um, they're not paying him a lot of money this year, and they still have a chance to be really successful. 
Hey, Mike, you talked about Aaron Rodgers a little bit earlier. Uh, you wouldn't let Green Bay off the phone when you're talking about a Hall of Fame level uh, player like that. I'm going to talk to you about young quarterbacks, and it seems that the NFL has gone in this direction where they will move on from a young quarterback uh, a lot more quickly than they used to. And you've seen it. We've seen it with Carson Wentz, Jared Goff. You mentioned Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. Guys at the top of the draft, how, how do you weigh sort of development of a quarterback versus deciding we have to cut bait? Uh, in theory, you know, Sam Bradford was the, le- the, the last so-called bonus baby under the old system. Wouldn't it be more intuitive to, to keep a quarterback because it's not as financially destructive as versus moving on with the dead money? Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And I think one of the ways I was criticized in, in both the Jets and Dolphins, probably fairly so, was like being patient with young players. Um, I just saw it firsthand in my career. I saw Chad Pennington sit for a couple of years and be successful. I got to Miami and everybody was ready to run Ryan Tannehill out of the building. And when he was healthy, we went to the playoffs. And then, you know, they moved on from him after I left. And, you know, he's played at a high level. The quarterback is a developmental position. And I think you got to err on the side of, you know, holding on to a player. Now, I certainly don't know all the sort of like intricacies and intimate details of what happened with Carson Wentz. But um, clearly, you know, both sides felt like a fresh start was necessary. But generally speaking, I agree holding on to a good young quarterback is certainly the way to go. We, we forget that, you know, it's amazing to me when we drafted Mark Sanchez at the Jets, he had started 13 games the year before at SC, and people looked at us like we were crazy. Like, how can you draft such an inexperienced quarterback now? You know, San Francisco trades up for, you know, multiple first-round picks for a guy that played one game. You know, the world's just changed. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy that certainly should play this year. I was very critical of the Bengals a year ago. I thought that it made no sense to me whatsoever to trade Andy Dalton, um, excuse me, or cut him. I would have made sure that he played, given Joe Burrow, you know, uh, uh, not only time to get to know the playbook, but get his lower body bigger and stronger. I take no pride in the fact that I was one of a few other people that said, look, he has a real chance of getting hurt. You know, his body, you know, when you look at him, was not an NFL body. You know, when you look at guys like Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger and Dak Prescott and Cam Newton, those are NFL quarterback bodies. They are built for the rigors of an NFL season that does not happen overnight. And when you put these quarterbacks out there too soon, you're putting them into harm's way. Very interesting. All right, uh, Mike, uh, as you just mentioned, Ryan Tannehill was your guy. Now he's going to benefit from Julio Jones. So you're not that far removed from being the man in charge of an NFL team, but it's been a couple of years. What do you miss the most? What aspect do you miss on a day-in, day-out basis that this used to be exciting and challenging and fun, and what's the one aspect you go, if I never have to do that again, that's perfectly fine with me. Give me the yin and the yang of being a general manager as you see it now a couple of years removed. You know, the, the, the second part's the easy part, cutting a player. You know, that was by far the hardest thing to do. Look, you, as you will, will imagine with my career, I've been on both sides of some really hard conversations, but, you know, letting somebody go um, – I always used to tell our staff on the day that we would cut players, 
which is like we have a job to do. But shame on us as human beings, if somewhere inside of us, this is an extraordinarily painful to you know cut whatever the number would be, 20, 25 players. So this is going to be a hard day for everybody, including us. And if it isn't, like there's something wrong with you. Now, we have a job to do and we're going to do it, but it should bother us. Like this should not be, you know, an easy day. In terms of um, what do I miss? It, it was really more the intangible of walking in every day, everybody having the same jersey on, trying to accomplish something you know greater than ourselves and and obviously the the 30 to 45 seconds after the game after a win there was nothing like it um you know and my personality certainly was like it was a blessing and a curse because it literally was like 45 to 50 seconds of like joy because then after that it was like all right what's next what's the next problem like who got hurt you know what are we dealing with who who's upset about their contract who has the wrong title on their staff like what's the complaint today? Um, and that can wear on you. Um, but you have to understand that's when you have the privilege of these jobs, you have to embrace that, but there's nothing like a win. It's, it's intoxicating. Last one from me, Mike, everybody, uh, go to the 33rd, uh, 33rdteam.com. Mike Tannenbaum, XGM of the Jets, ex-executive of the Dolphins. You mentioned NFL body. My ears perked up there for one reason, Devontae Smith. Does he have an NFL body? Does that concern you at all? Well, I would say not yet. Um, look, I was at the national championship game, Alabama, Ohio State, and I was going to the stadium thinking that could Justin Fields close the gap and and, and maybe you know work himself into that conversation because he played so well the week before. I left the stadium saying like the best football player on that field was Devontae Smith, um, just in terms of. Ohio State knew he was getting the ball and they still couldn't cover him. You know, for years at the Jets, we tried to cover Marvin Harrison and we knew the three routes that he would run. You know, it looked like if there was a strong win, he'd fall over and we still couldn't <laughs> cover him. So I guess the point is that would be a concern, but he certainly has time to grow into it. And he has like incredible intangibles and work ethic that when you look at the production and the person, you're bidding on the next 10 years. So um, I'm sure they have a detailed plan to, to work on that. Um, but what really impressed me about him again was like Ohio state went to the stadium saying like, we're not going to let Devonte Smith beat us. And he did. <laughs> 200 and change yards in the first half before you heard his thumb. Yeah. I'd say he kind of beat him. Uh, but along those lines that you went there, Justin Fields, he has an NFL body. I've seen him. He looks like he can take the rigors of playing quarterback in the NFL. We saw the big game against Clemson, then the championship against Alabama. I would say it was more the defense's fault from not stopping Devonta Smith than it was Justin Fields. What was your final estimation heading into the draft as what kind of an NFL quarterback Justin Fields is going to be? You know, Jody Mack, uh, he kind of went where I thought. Um, I liked him. Um, I was actually at his first practice when he transferred to Ohio State from Georgia. And he, he goes right by me on the sideline. And the only thing I can think of is, like, Jacob Fromm must be Superman. And that's the guy at Georgia that beat him out. Because when you look at Justin Fields, like, he 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 really – he looks like Cam Newton. I mean, he is really well built. Um, there were a couple games in the end of Northwestern. I didn't think he played well, but I like him a lot. I thought, you know, it's remarkable. And this is what's so great about the league is, you know, if the three of us were having this conversation in February – and we said, you know, if we had to raise our children based on the quarterback room of the Bears or the Packers, the three of us wouldn't blink and say, oh, we're going to take the Green Bay Packers. Now, 
I'm not so sure I would say for the next 10 years right now, I'd rather have Chicago's situation than Green Bay's because I think if I was a betting man, I think Justin Fields has a chance to be a better long-term pro than Jordan Love. And that's really, you know, sort of the comparison right now. We shall see. Mike, we appreciate it greatly. You're up and on with us today. Now that we've got your email address and we can reach out, we're planning on doing so. We're going to get you out here uh, during the season, leading up to the season and during the season as well. Best of luck with the new website. We'll be watching you on ESPN. Thank you very much, Mr. T. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Mike Tannenbaum here with us on Birds 365. All right. We got to take our final time out. Come back. A couple things that he said. I want to run by Johnny Mack. Three, not one, not two, three ones for Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. It's a general manager talking. He might know better than McMullen and McDonald. We'll come back, chop it up with you here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
Coming down the home stretch with the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365 Monday edition. We thank uh, Mike Tannenbaum, Mike Gill as well, who was on with us hour number one, but especially uh, Mr. T for jumping aboard with us. Do check out his new website, d3013.com. A couple of things Mike said grabbed my attention. Glad to see he's a Justin Fields fan because you know how big a Justin Fields fan I am. Um, Mr. Tannenbaum spoke uh, quite glowingly about him and what he can do for the Chicago Bears. Not that I'm rooting for the Chicago Bears, but I'm rooting for the kid because I thought he's a uh, really good quarterback prospect. and I think he's going to be a very good NFL player. Um, other quarterback stance he took, Jameis Winston, very good young quarterback. Of the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that one, Jody. Yeah, yeah a talented quarterback, but he hasn't shown the ability of not throwing it to the other team. So, at some point, you know, it was interesting. At some point, I asked him about young quarterbacks, developmental quarterbacks. I do think people give up on him a little bit too quickly in the modern NFL. Yeah, I guess you could put Jameis Winston in that category, but uh, you could also look at it from the other perspective in the fact that, look, there are young quarterbacks in this league that don't turn it over nearly as much as the Jameis Winstons of the world. Big criticism of Daniel Jones. Big criticism of Carson Wentz, more of the fumbling aspect. But if you turn the football over, it's difficult to stick with a quarterback, Joe. Here's the backhanded compliment I'm going to pay to Jameis Winston. I certainly believe that he will give the New Orleans Saints a better chance to win oh, this yeah. year than Taysom Hill. Uh, you were there at that game last year. I know that Jalen Hurts played well and the Eagles beat the Saints fair and square when they were heading off to the playoffs and the Eagles were logging their fourth win of the year. So it kind of came out of left field and it was a little bit of both. The Eagles playing their best game of the year. The Saints stubbing their toe badly. I'm sorry. Taysom Hill is not a starting quarterback in this league. No, I, I don't understand. No. I'm a huge Sean Payton fan. Always have been, always will be. But I don't know what he sees in Taysom Hill. He's got his value in the league. The fact that he is a jack-of-all-trades guy, can run the ball, can throw the ball, can catch the ball. You don't get that too often. Keep tapping into that. Don't say, here, you're our starting quarterback now. I don't get that at all for the Saints. So be, I think Jameis will win that starting job. He should win that starting job because he'll be better than hell. But I don't know if that will make him a great young quarterback in this league, as Mr. T described him. Uh, and the last thing, Aaron Rodgers, he's thinking three first-round draft picks? Yeah, I give up my whole – I give up. I agree with Mike there. I, I give up everything. I don't let him off the phone. If if you're the Denver Broncos, look, this guy, I, if if you brought war to baseball, Aaron Rodgers would have the greatest war, the statistic of anybody in the history of football. I say it with the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay wins 13 with them. They probably win six or seven if they're lucky without him. That is massive. If If Denver doesn't have them, and they're throwing out Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, they're not even making the playoffs. If they have them, they're a Super Bowl contender. Oh. Yeah. And, and wait, wait, wait. And he put them past Kansas City? You put Aaron Rodgers on uh, Denver and they go past Kansas City? I don't think so. Well, if you look at that, I, I see where he's going with it. If you look at that Denver roster, it's pretty good. You wouldn't know it because they don't have a quarterback. But if you just – said 
look at the rest of their roster, look at the receiver, offensive line, defense. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm not saying, look, Kansas City's proven, so I get where you're coming from. But I I put Denver in their category. I'll just say it that way. Okay. If, if Aaron Rodgers is there. I put them into the wild card category because they're not getting past Kansas City. Oh, they're they're getting no, unless they're, of they're, course Mahomes goes down, which you always have to pick well, But then again, you can so give up good. three ones to Aaron Rodgers. He could break his leg week one. Yeah. Oops, that'll kind of screw your season and your future. So I'm going to get really everybody know. fired up right now, Jody. You ready? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. In in what way? You you need to further define He's a better quarterback. He's a better player than Patrick Mahomes. He will be a better player in this upcoming season? Yes. Yes. Yeah, no, I can't go there. I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan, but Mahomes is just... He's the best quarterback in the NFL. Now, I'm not talking about, obviously, Patrick is much younger. Patrick is going to be around a long time. I'm not talking about for 10, for 15 years. Yeah, just for, this upcoming season. Yeah, for the next, as as what Mike said, and the way the NFL is going, for the next four or five years, and we've seen it with Tom Brady and Drew Brees, you can play at a high level late in your career because of the way the game is played. I, I say it all the time. Nobody has played the position at a higher level than Aaron Rodgers. Nobody. Nobody. What I've Nobody. said about what I've said about Aaron Rodgers, and it's been at least seven years now, if not more than this. If you're just looking at the skill sets necessary to play the quarterback position, Aaron Rodgers has the greatest skill set of any quarterback I've ever seen, and that includes that Brady guy, who is yes the goat because of his accomplishments and all the Super Bowl trophies that he's put together, which Aaron Rodgers has no chance to ever get close to, as a matter of fact. But if you're just looking at the prerequisite skill set and talent level, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback to ever play the game of football. I agree with that. My, but for this gonna... upcoming year, Patrick Mahomes is going to be better. So we, we agree and we disagree. Well, he thinks Shockingly, so. He thinks he's me, going Mac 20 and Mac agree and disagree yeah. at the same time. That's never happened before. It happened again today. It'll happen again tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. Partner, uh, my clock says we're out of time. You want to try this again tomorrow so we can we're agree and disagree? It. We are going to do it, and there's going to be more disagreements, I think. Who knows, though? Agreements Maybe some and, agreements. Agreements and disagreements right yeah. here on Birds 365. Again, thanks to Mike Gill, Mike Tannenbaum, <laughs> popping on. We'll have a good guest or two for you tomorrow. Come back in 22 hours right here to Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.